0: This morning's Bible study is entitled Non-Negotiable and right at the start I would like to ask you to negotiate with me over the time. I'll endeavour to move through the Bible study at a a rapid pace, but it is an important topic and I know and I pray that the Lord will will bless us as we look at this subject this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them to Genesis chapter 1. And verse 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And I'm reading from the New International Version. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 2. Genesis 1 verse 1 and verse 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And then I'd like you to come to verse 26 of the same chapter. Chapter 1, sorry, verse 31, not verse 26. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning of the sixth day. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, for just a few moments this morning, as we open your word, we want to pray that your Holy Spirit will be here that he will touch our hearts, that he will draw us to Jesus and that we will leave this place being drawn closer to you. This is our prayer as we long for a blessing today. In Jesus' name, Amen. On January 17, 1991, some of you may remember it, at 2.45am Baghdad time, the United States with her allies, the United Nations, unleashed their military forces upon Saddam Hussein and a hapless Iraq. I don't know whether you remember or not, but 545,000 Iraqi troops attempted to resist over 800,000 troops from the United States and the Allies. It was no contest Iraqi troops fled out of Kuwait and and poured over to the borders into Iraq in the thousands. At least 100,000, I don't know whether you know this or not, but at least 100,000 Iraqi troops died. 300,000 were wounded. You kind of get a sense of the Forces that were unleashed upon them in just a few days when you see those casualty figures. 150,000 deserted and 60,000 Iraqi soldiers were taken prisoner. In fact, human watch groups all around the world said that the casualty figures were far more serious than I have just quoted there as official. February 27, 1991, just over a month after it started, the first Gulf War came to an end. The history of this conflict seems to be quite simple. Saddam Hussein invaded his next door neighbour Kuwait on August the 9th, 1990 and George Bush Senior, the President of the United States of America and the father of the present President of the United States of America, drew a line in the sand. I don't know, those of you who are a little older, if you remember seeing this on television, but he actually draws his line in the sand. And for George Bush and the United Nations, the fact that Iraq had to withdraw from Kuwait was a non-negotiable. It was a line in the sand. And I watched very interested, interested as this conflict unfolded. There was no room for negotiation. There was no room for compromise. There was no room for discussion. Iraq's withdrawal from Kuwait for the United States of America and for the United Nations, which was almost the whole world, the demand was that they withdraw from Kuwait. That Saddam Hussein did not is history. And I believe that his present circumstance wasting away in a jail in Iraq, awaiting, well, participating in a trial right now for his life is probably the end game of a decision he made many years ago. Life, I'll tell you this morning, life is full of non-negotiables. Eat or die, that's a non-negotiable. Drink or perish, that's a non-negotiable. Breathe or depart this life that's a non-negotiable. Some of the non-negotiables, I guess, aren't so serious. I remember a few years ago, uh, we just arrived at Warunga and we decided we'd build a house. We bought a block of land up in Carryong, and then we began to visit the builders, looking at the plans of their homes, trying to decide who we would go with and what we would build. It was in the middle of the building boom. Do you remember that? Those builders were in a non-negotiable mood and I like to negotiate when it comes to the price of houses I'm building. And I would try to negotiate with them, often to my wife's embarrassment, and they were not negotiable. They would not negotiate. They were non-negotiable. So, some negotiables are important. Some non-negotiables aren't important. There are Seventh-day Adventists Non-negotiables. Did you know that? The seventh day Sabbath is on, is non-negotiable. Amen? The literal second coming of Jesus, the sanctuary doctrine, the death of Jesus on the cross, the sanctity and the validity of the Ten Commandments, the truth of soul sleep after death. These are non-negotiables. These are non-negotiable pillars of truth. They are not up for discussion or change. Amen? Amen? Some argue this point. However, biblically, if you are to look at the Bible and take this as your textbook for life, they are non-negotiables. But it seems to me that one of the problems in modern 21st century Adventism, and I have to be very careful today what I say, But one of the problems of 21st century Adventism is that the non-negotiables, listen to me, one of the problems of 21st century Adventism today is that the non-negotiables are becoming fashionably negotiable. And as a church, we have reason for alarm when we see this happening. Let's go back to our scripture reading this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, and you should be able almost to repeat this by heart. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that is a biblical, non-negotiable truth. Now, let me stop here for a moment and make some clear statements of fact. The Bible that tells us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible is not a scientific textbook. The Bible that tells us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth is not a history textbook. It is a book given to us by God that tells us how to defeat Satan through the power of Jesus and gain eternal life. However, when the Bible talks about science, when the Bible talks about history, oh, I hope you're listening to me this morning, you can rely on the truth of what it says. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? When the Bible talks about science, when the Bible makes scientific statements, you can rely on the truth of them. When the Bible makes historical statements, you can rely on the truth of them. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That is a scientific statement, right? Right? In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That is a historical statement, am I correct? You can rely on the Bible in science and in history when it makes definitive statements on such things. Let me give you some examples of scientific statements the Bible made before men had any idea. When men believed the earth was flat, the Bible was saying that it was round. You check sometime Isaiah chapter 40 of verse 22. The Bible stated that the life of an animal or a human being, was in its blood thousands of years before this was a known scientific fact. You want to check that out? You have a look at Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. I don't know whether you realise this or not, but the Bible further talks about an empty space to the north, the north pole, before we even knew a north or a south pole existed. You want to check that out? You have a look at Job chapter 26. And verse 7, the list of stunning scientific claims the Bible makes is amazing and every one of them is reliable. The Bible speaks about the process of evaporation. Did you know that? And this is before the world knew what evaporation was. The Bible talks about the trajectory of the planets and the stars about the suspension of earth in space. The Bible makes the stupendous claim that every human being has blood flowing through veins that we are all each related to each other. The statements the Bible makes on science and history are reliable and the Bible talks about creation. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, that's a definitive fact. Verse 31 says, And God saw that everything he made was good. He looked back on how many days of creation? One, two, three, four, five, six. God looks back on six days of creation and he says it is good. Now, hear me this morning, brothers and sisters. The accuracy, the accuracy of the Bible This may be the most important thing I say this morning. The accuracy of the Bible in its scientific statements is not judged by science. Rather, the accuracy of science is judged by the Bible. And our world doesn't see it like that. The Bible is the ultimate authority, yes it is, on all things. It is the ultimate authority on what is truth and what isn't. And when the Bible says, when the Bible says, this book that God wrote through his men, when the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in six days, then this is the standard all other truths and theories must test themselves against. So, when some of our Christian theologians, some even Seventh-day Adventists, when some of our Christian professors, yes, some Seventh-day Adventists, when some of our Christian college university lecturers, and yes, some Seventh-day Adventists, and when even some of our Christian pastors, yes, Seventh-day Adventist pastors, begin to question the validity and the truth of the biblical creation account, then we have reason for deep alarm in the ranks of the Christian and, dare I say, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Perhaps you have heard or read some of the questions now coming from some of our most eminent Christian men and women, educators, Christian and leaders alike, Christian are beginning to doubt the six-day creation of the world. International science and faith conferences all around the world, organised by the Christian church. While many of the attendees do defend the literal creation account, a substantial number don't. And I'm reading this and I'm seeing it more and more in Christian magazines as they circulate around the world. They cite things like this. The creation account of Genesis is poetic symbolism. They say it is naivety at best to take it seriously as a true account of what really happened. Well, yeah, the book of Genesis is poetic but I would argue that it's not symbolic. It's the truth. They'll say the geological column leads us to believe in a very old age of the earth. Now, listen, brothers and sisters, I'm I'm not stupid. I know that scientists, I know that our university professors, our theology professors, our college lecturers, I know that there are challenges with things that I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning today. There are challenges with the geological column for Christians when they look at it openly and honestly. But they will say the geological column leads us to believe in a very old age of the earth when the Bible says the opposite. Now, I've got to tell you that when the evidence of science is telling me one thing and the evidence, the clear evidence, and I know some of you uncomfortable with this, and you'll say, well, this preacher's uneducated and he doesn't look at the facts and he's not prepared to open his eyes. But brothers and sisters, the day when we, if ever there was a day when we as a people needed to take the word on faith, To believe God and what God says, to believe His Word as He states it in the Scripture, it's today. Yes, there is scientific evidence that leads us away from the creation account of the Bible. There is scientific evidence that leads us away from the biblical view of a short-age earth, 6,000 years, not billions of years. But when you look at this evidence against the evidence of Scripture, you are compelled, you are convicted to make a decision. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that much of this evidence is not necessarily reliable because what we are doing when we are studying creation is we are looking into the very mind of God. And who can understand the mind of God? It's not a cheap way out, it's a reality of what we're dealing with. And we look at creation and what happened as Jesus brought the world into being. And we think we can understand it with our frail minds. We need to take the Bible and the Word of the Bible, and we need to believe what God is telling us. When the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the earth, then in the beginning God did create the earth. So what is happening when some of our Christian, and yes, it's the truth, some of our Seventh-day Adventists, and it pains me to say it, but I will say it, theologians, university, college professors, not all of them praise God. In fact, I believe the majority must be still faithful to God. But what happens when they say all the dating models and practices point to an old earth? How do do we deal with it when when we see articles, even in our own magazines, that say the evidence of at least partial evolution are too strong to really take the creation story seriously? What is happening to our men and women with this non-negotiable truth well for a few moments because I know my time is almost gone I want to share you something I want to share something with you from the Bible because I believe this is how Satan is working to lead us away from believing the clear word of scripture as we face the end of time Genesis 126 turn down your bibles with me let's look at this verse 26 let me just take you on this, this little excursion now and and we'll close Then God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over all the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. Now, let me ask you a question. Listen to me. Here's the question. Did Adam see God, we've just read it, did Adam see God create the world? No, no, he did not. Now, the point is this. Adam did not see God create the world, but Adam accepted God's word that it was he who created the planet. For Adam, who never saw the creation of the world, it was still an undeniable fact that God was the creator, a non-negotiable. Why? Because God said so. Now, look at this. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. Verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman of the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Now, here's a question. Did Adam see God create Eve? I can't hear you. Did Adam see God create Eve? Okay, here we go again. Did Eve see God create Adam? Did Eve see God create the earth? No. God's creation of them and the planet was never questioned by them. It was to them an undeniable fact, a non-negotiable fact reality and yet today Christian scientists, Christian geologists, Christian anthropologists, Christian theologians and I've been saying it, Seventh Day Adventists, some of them are calling into question God's account of how he created the world. Adam and Eve (coughs) who were there just after the event credited the creation of the planet to God. We, at least 6,000 years after the event, seem like we want to credit the creation of the planet to everybody but God. So, how has a non-negotiable Christian Seventh-day Adventist pillar found in the Bible clear that so my seven-year-old, no, my three-year-old daughter can understand it? How does this non-negotiable pillar become negotiable. Why do we hear from some of our professors and some of our scientists this concept of theistic evolution? God put the process in place and then left the world to create itself. Why do we hear from them a world that's millions and billions of years old? Well, I want to share with you what I think has happened. And I just want to end on this. And I think it's a little warning for all of us in our walk with Jesus. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. (coughs) Excuse me. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Dare I say that the serpent is still more crafty than any of the animals that God has made? And dare I say that God is coming to some of the most, to some of the brightest, most eminent minds in our church, in Christianity, and saying to them as they study into the depths and the complexities of creation, dare I say that that same serpent is saying, did God really say that He created the world? Well, yes He did. It's a non-negotiable. I can see it in the Bible. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. Verse 3, but God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Yes, Satan, I am studying this, but God did say that he created the world. We begin to negotiate with the devil. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't question creation, that we shouldn't look into it, but when we spend so much time on the doubts of the biblical account of creation, the doubts eventually consume us, overtake us and we begin to believe them. We begin to negotiate with the devil as Eve did in the garden. You will not surely die, verse 4, the serpent says to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. God didn't really make the world in six days. All the evidence points in another direction. Open your eyes. You can almost hear Satan talking. Look at the geological column. Look at the fossil records. There's no evidence of a flood. The Bible's leading you down the wrong road. Yeah, look, except there's a God. That's fine by the devil. There's a God in heaven, but you don't have to worry that that God is worried about whether you believe in a six-day literal creation or not. That doesn't matter. And we are being seduced into this apostasy. And I want to tell you this morning that when you take away six-day literal creation of the world by God, then Christianity collapses. If God did not create the world, In six days as he claimed then Christianity and the Christian church might as well close its doors, lock up, sell the building and leave. I wish I could go longer and explain this further. I had more to say but I've run out of time. I want you to go to Psalm chapter 33. I want to close on this and then just read a short letter verse 6 through to 9. You know what? You can go from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22 and you will find no evidence in all the Bible for anything other than God created the world and God created the world in six literal days. I'm going to tell you that as we go into the end of time, this precious doctrine is going to come under increasing attack to the point where I believe we quote the Bible, even the very elect, if it were possible, would be deceived. Satan is trying to throw evidence at the Christian church from every angle he can so that they will negate this precious doctrine. I mean, if God didn't create the world in six days as he claims, What does that say about the truthfulness of God that we rely on to see us through to the kingdom? If God didn't create the world in six literal days, what then happens to the Sabbath? If God did not create the world in six literal days and if I, the human race, if we were not created on the sixth day, where did we come from? Perhaps there is room for this idea that we come, well, I don't come from a monkey, I can't even say that. But do you see what's happening? When you take away God's Word, then what we believe starts to crumble. And from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22, you'll find no evidence in the Bible other than God makes the claim time after time after time. I created the world, he said. He says, I created in six days. He said, I created you, the human race. You were made by my hands. Adam, I created Eve, I created woman for man. And Eve, I created Adam, I created man for woman. This all comes from creation. Our belief in sexuality and morality, on on lesbianism, homosexuality, I know that's a battle for some, comes from creation. God creating man and woman brings them together so they can procreate. This all has its roots in creation. I'll say it again. You can go from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Not one of the Bible writers, not one, ever doubts, ever brings into to, 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 to any, any question at all the fact that God created the world from nothing. And not only did he create the world from nothing, they all say, every one of them, that he did it in six days. Psalm 33, 6 to 9. Listen to David. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. There it is from the Bible. God claims that it was he who created the world. In the Bible, God claims he did it in six days. You choose what evidence you want to believe. And I will tell you right now that it is a step of faith for many of you, for more highly educated, who go into the depths of this discussion. It is a step of faith to say, Jesus, to say, God, I believe. But it's a step of faith you must take if you want a deep relationship with Christ, I want to finish with a letter written by Elder Robert Pearson, October 26, 1978. He was a retiring General Conference President. And one of the very last things he did was he wrote this short letter to the World Church. It was printed in the Adventist Review, October twenty-six. 1978. And this is what I want to finish on today. He says, Already, brethren and sisters, there are subtle forces that are beginning to stir. Regrettably, there are those in the church who belittle the inspiration of the total Bible, who scorn the first 11 chapters of Genesis, who question the spirit of prophecy, short chronology of the earth, and who subtly and not so subtly attack the spirit of prophecy. There are some who point to the reformers and contemporary theologians as a source and norm for Seventh-day Adventist doctrine. There are those who allegedly are tired of the hackneyed phrases of Adventism. There are those who wish to forget the standards of the church we love There are those who covet and would court the favour of the evangelicals, who would throw off the mantle of a peculiar people and those who would go the way of a secular materialistic world. I tell you what, this letter when I first read it spoke to my heart. Fellow leaders, he's talking to the pastors, he's talking to the leaders of the church, that's me here. Well, I'm one of them, I guess at a humble level. Fellow leaders, leaders and then he says, Beloved brethren and sisters, that's you, don't let it happen, exclamation mark. I appeal to you earnestly, as I know how this morning, don't let it happen, exclamation mark. I appeal to Andrews University, that's our top university, to the seminary, to Loma Linda University, don't let it happen, 1978, exclamation mark. We are not Seventh-day Anglicans nor Seventh-day Lutherans. We are Seventh-day Adventists. And he concludes by saying, and by the way, he didn't die too long after this. He says, this is God's last-day church with God's last-day message. Let's pray. Lord, in this church this morning, we bow our heads and although it causes us question at time, although I guess, Lord, many of us doubt and we concede that this morning, we come before you and we acknowledge you as the creator of the world. We believe the Bible when you make the claim that you made the world from nothing in six days and although the scientific evidence, Lord, challenges us, although the historical evidence sometimes leads us to doubt, This morning, God, we cling to this truth. Illuminate our minds more. Help us to understand you better. But above all else, Lord, in these last days when the Bible is under attack, when your word is under attack, even when we don't understand, as difficult as it is, Lord, help us to hold on, to hold on and to believe anyhow. And Lord, when you come in the clouds of heaven, we look forward to sitting at your feet you to open the pages of creation and to share with us what actually did happen and how it was that you were able to create the world in six days. May that day when we sit at your feet be soon and may not one of us be missing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.